Okay, good morning. Yes, I'm Pastor Ed, and I thank uh, Derek and the elders uh, inviting me from time to time to come and share uh, from God's Word during the morning, and for this particular morning to bring our uh, series to a close. We titled it Follow Me Series, you know, three times. Occasionally in the church calendar, we try to budget to always come back and revisit some foundational understandings that we want the entire church family to remember. And the reason why it's important to return to these from time to time, is just like at communion where Christ says, uh, do this in remembrance of me. Because sometimes, as busy as life gets, we forget some foundational things that we believe are the building blocks towards our mission, which is making folks being fully devoted affectionate followers of Jesus Christ, and so that's why we return. The first Sunday, uh, Pastor Derek shared about the rock being solid in Jesus Christ. We talk about the value of worship because we know, uh, see, the purpose of life is God. Everything starts and begins with God. The most important thing about you is what you believe about God, and if left to our own self, we tend to go off in different directions. And so we invite the church family to congregate, to come together so that we rehearse some foundational understandings about God. That we uh, return to this uh, commitment to God as He's clearly revealed Himself in Scripture. Uh, then the next week we talked about the family, the importance of family, because we believe God designed family. That's how people grow best. That's where you want to study God's Word. You want to apply it to life. But then you go out. The family often goes out. They get dispersed and scattered. And they're having a variety of experiences. And sometimes these experiences don't line up with what they thought they believed. And they bring it back and they have a chance to kind of debrief. And in that debriefing, often we may find an area. And so uh, if that person, that family member wants to take a step closer towards being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, they announce this area of weakness and they invite that family, maybe not the whole family, but maybe one or two to help hold them accountable, to take the steps so that they move in the direction of what is best as a follower of um, Christ. And this morning we're bringing it to a close by really talking about serving or mission. And we sometimes will be using this phrase, living on mission, and I want to explore that with you. Jesus Christ himself served out of knowing what his mission on earth was. Uh, think about it. When in the temple, at a young age, he says, I must be about my father's business. He had clarity of his purpose of why he was here on this earth. When his mother wanted him to do a miracle at the wedding of Canaan, he was so focused on his mission, he had such clarity about his purpose being here, he says, my time has not come yet. And then in the garden, before the crucifixion, despite all the stress, he says, not my will, but your will, Heavenly Father. 
when his disciples tried to kind of force him to uh, work miracles and avoid the cross, he does not give in. And then when he's on the cross, he says, it is done. My mission here has been completed. We see what an example. He had such clarity of his mission that it served as a grid in which he would make decisions. And so this morning, I want to explore what that means to us and how we might have a better understanding what our mission is so that we serve out of that mission. And so three questions I want to um, explore with you just briefly. What kept Christ so focused on the mission? Maybe we can gain some insight for ourselves. And what does it mean to live on mission? And then the third question, what does it look like here at Faith Church to live our lives on mission? So the first question, you know, what you know, kind of kept Christ focused on mission? When I, I grew up here in Dallas, if you folks didn't know that. I grew up at 1011 uh, House Street on the south side of the tracks. They, renamed, or they renumbered the system, I believe, and I think now it's 1492. If any of you want to go back to that uh, spot and, oh, <laughs> Mel and I, my, my brother who attends here as well. And when I was a little kid growing up four blocks away on the corner of Uglo and Miller, the pillbox, I, I think it's still called the pillbox, I, I assume it's called the pillbox, there was a little corner grocery market called Woody's. And occasionally my mom would say, hey, Eddie, here is a dollar. I want you to go up to Woody's and get me a pound of butter to make chocolate chip cookies. And, you know, while you're there, Eddie, you can spend 10 cents on any treat for yourself. Now, you know, this was back in 1960. 10 cents was different than 10 cents today. See, Mom was sending me on a mission so that she could make chocolate chip cookies. I was sent on an assignment, and while going those four blocks, I passed and I talked to Lonnie and Steve, who were out playing. And perhaps in the conversation, we planned to play ball in the street later that afternoon. As I was going, I stopped and saw Cheryl, and she was outside playing with her newborn puppies. And she invited me to come and see them. The whole time in the back of my mind, I did not forget my mission. I did not forget my assignment. See, the mission was part of my internal operation system. I got to Woody's Market, and of course... I'm drawn to the front display of candy, which, of course, uh, 
a wide assortment of these penny candies, or of course, with two, with, with ten cents, I could buy two five cent candy bars. And of course, Woody was kind enough to put those at eye level for a child such as I. Choices, choices, choices. Will I choose that 10 cent individual candy so I could stuff my pocket full of them and have them spread out throughout the day or, or two candy bars for five cents? The whole time, though, I remembered the mission for mom I was on because I was schooled. I was a good boy. I was schooled to be obedient. I was schooled to follow through. But, even more motivating was his vision of freshly baked chocolate chip cookies that mom would make. You know, it, it, it was so powerful that this uh, vision of chocolate chip cookies later in the day that I could almost smell them. You know, I, I could feel their warmth and see the chocolate chips melting and the cookie being soft as it was taken out of the oven. You know, it was almost, I could taste them. Almost. You know, it's not uncommon for some of us to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and punch our ticket to heaven and forget the mission. Why am I on this earth? And that's because we need to remind ourselves, don't forget the vision, that we need to rehearse it. I was schooled to be obedient out of the relationship so I was committed to the mission. But it was the vision that inspired. For mom, the end of the mission was my getting the butter back to her. The mission was accomplished at that point. But it wasn't the vision. The getting the butter helped Getting the butter helped the vision become a reality. I had a part in making the vision become reality that mom invited me into by fulfilling the mission she gave me. And sure enough, later that day, reality, I was able to experience by biting into that chocolate chip cookie. You know, when I often think about, okay, what, what vision is going to keep me focused on my mission here on this earth? I go to Revelations 21, 3 and 4, where it says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and He will dwell with them. They will be His people and God Himself will be with them and be their God. God, our Father, is going to finally, His desire has always been to dwell with His people. And that day will come. And then verse 4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. 
There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. See, God has sent us to earth for more than just our salvation. He has sent us here on a mission so that this future reality, this vision that I read about in Revelations 21, will become true, will become a reality, and He invites us into it by being a participant, by fulfilling the mission He's given to us. Somebody has said that we live between the past and the future. Uh, we live in this in-between stage a preparation of training. Some would call it staging for a future reality that we are to maximize. And we do that by engaging with the mission, by keeping track of the mission, by living our lives on mission. Christ's mission here, as we know, was to rescue people. Was to rescue people so that the vision of Revelation 21.3 was a possibility. And so he goes to the cross. So it is a possibility. And now we are here on the mission, the furtherance of the mission that Christ started. He entrusted in the people. So how do we go about it? John 17, 15 tells us, My prayer, my prayer is not that you be taken out of the world, but that you are kept from the evil one. John 17, 18, As you have sent me into the world, so I send you. So how do we fulfill this mission? Well, let's look at Jesus Christ. Our mission is to go into the world as Christ did. So how to live on mission? First, we need to cultivate awareness about the vision, where we're headed. Regularly, rehearse that with one another. This is not the end. This is preparation for something future. Stay focused on the future so that you can inform yourself how to live in the present. And the second thing we, we see by looking at Jesus Christ that may inform us how to live our lives on mission is then just study. Jesus Christ while he was on this earth. He came as an example for us. As he was sent in the world, so I send you. So what do we see? Well, the incarnation, the first step. God becoming flesh. The idea that this all-powerful God decides to come alongside and be with us. And what we see, Jesus Christ did not have categories that you and I may have to judge one another. So it was much easier for Jesus Christ to come alongside anyone. 
Jesus Christ did not view people as his enemy, but like sheep that were harassed and helpless. The battle for Jesus, the battle was not in Jesus Christ, how he engaged the world. The battle was not with people, but it was with the evil one. The other thing we see that we can learn to incorporate into our own lives uh, so that we can be more effective with the mission that God has given to us. Jesus Christ extended invitations to people. He invited people to take steps towards a friendship with God. The invitations were less about the big decision, but a series of small decisions. He identified where people were at and determined what's the next step for this person to move towards a friendship with God. And he was a master then at creating and sparking curiosity. A appetite for. By asking questions. By telling parables. What do you think? Encouraging people in that to take the next step towards friendship with God. A growing friendship with God. Uh, an author named Bill Hull wrote a book that we've used here at Faith Church almost uh, uh, as soon as I got here. So we're talking about a long time ago in the 1980s. Uh, but Bill Hull, it's called Jesus Christ Disciple Maker. Now we used it way back in 1980 to kind of help shape our understanding of, of ministry and how to go about making disciples here at Faith. And Bill Hull took a look at Jesus Christ to look at how did Christ go about it. And that's where we see this uh, series of invitations. The first invitation he gave was come and see. This was before any, he had no followers. And he was still giving invitations. Come and see. And then we see another stage where he says come and follow. And then a third stage as people grow as followers of Jesus Christ. Come and be with me. And then the last one uh, that he gives, and he would call this the leadership kind of thing, come and remain in me, and it's taken from the abiding on the vine. Invitations given. Not responsibilities, invitations, and as a person uh, responds to the invitation and matures within that invitation, the responsibilities come with it. Much like raising your children, where you invite them as they grow and mature to different stages of development. 
And as they are ready to take that step, you introduce the area of responsibility that goes with it as they are maturing into that. We really see a, a, a change in this uh, invitation and this sense of mission when Jesus Christ looked at these disciples and realizes now that they are ready to go from come and see and come and follow. And this is where in Matthew 9 he says, and you will become fishers of men. So in other words, okay, uh, the vision... I want to dwell with my people. I have such love that I want to dwell with my people. It's going to involve you. Not just your salvation, but you're going to be active on a mission. I'm going to send you so that this reality will become experienced by making you a fisher of men. That you to receive or, or to share about God's love for people and that he provided the avenue that they too can enjoy this future where God will dwell with his people. We need to cultivate awareness of this mission that God not only gave his disciples, but you and I, that he entrusted to us. How we might use our life to create curiosity for people to consider, is it possible that there's a creator God that we call a father that loves me so much, he wants to dwell with me in eternity in an existence where he will wipe away all the tears and mourning and sadness forever. Hmm. What do I have to do? And you help them. Consider Jesus Christ. Well, what, what does living life on mission look like here at Faith Church? You know, since it's not a program, but it's people reaching people, just like with his disciples, I'm going to make you. I'm not making a program. I'm making you a fisher of men. It's people reaching people. But since it's not a program and it's people reaching people, it begins with me. It begins with you to first examine my own heart. How I think about people. Do I see people in categories that Jesus Christ came to tear down? Do I see people, even someone I might consider my enemy, as though, are they really my enemy? Or is that just the way, you know, I was trained? That was just the, my, my natural inclination is to see them that way. Or can I increasingly see them as Jesus Christ, who had one category? People were like sheep. They were harassed and lost. And they have gone astray. All people are important to Jesus Christ. This took me to the passage that I really anchored my thoughts this week in preparation here in Luke 15, 1 to 7, but particularly verse 7. 
Uh, this is the parable of the lost sheep, you know, where he has a hundred of them. And 99 stay in the fold, but one's missing, you know, at the end of the day when he's uh, going to shut the gate and he's counting and oh, one's missing. Now, if you're like me and, okay, um, 99 in, one out, it's getting late at night, uh, well, what, what's one? You know, nobody will notice. You know, you, you try to talk yourself out of the inconvenience of going out looking for that one. But then we read these stunning words that is to help frame our, our sense of mission, our, our, our sense of purpose here in verse 7. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven. It was those words that stunned me. I needed to hear it again. There will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Whoa. God, you are passionately in love with humanity, your creation, that you are willing to leave that 99 and be so devoted, so focused on that one. Now, some of you may have a knee-jerk reaction. You may feel if you're part of the 99 and you're the righteous, well, why don't I get that kind of focus and attention? See, that's you talking. God is affectionate about the 99. Don't allow your mind to do this either or. It's really a statement about His pursuit of all humanity. It's not a statement about His devotion, His fondness, His love of the 99. Living on mission is to value the 99, but understand the focus of Jesus Christ in these words, that there will be this tremendous rejoicing over the one that's lost, that is saved. That helps us establish our priorities, not as a statement of devaluing the 99 by any means, but it's in a response to this invitation to engage in God's mission to bring about this vision that at a future time he will dwell with all those who are willing to surrender themselves and submit to God our Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. So how will we do a better job of living life on mission by valuing the lost? Well, two ways. Certainly through preaching and teaching and modeling this value that we want individuals to incorporate into their lives so that they do live their life with that mission almost as an interoperational system flowing and giving them a, a higher purpose for going about their day. So they're ready to seize those impromptu, spontaneous moments as God brings into their lives. But also, we want to do it by building the expectation into our culture. 
through our life group culture. That's why we advocate being in a life group because this is one way that we believe we can more effectively uh, get this expectation, this uh, partnership in the mission so that increasing number of folks live on mission is by getting it embedded in the life group culture. For years, particularly when we started implementing membership classes called 101, 201, and 301, this was years ago, we tried to move then from an institutional approach of ministry to an individual approach. Now, an institutional approach is when uh, the, the leadership gets together in their holy huddle and they try to devise ministries that we think ought to be good, and then we go out and try to... Um, um, uh, you may say pigeonhole people into slots. Well, we tried to make a, a, a switch at that time to an individual approach, and that is, what is God doing in your heart? What, what are you passionate about that God is calling you to? Then how can we come alongside? We exercised this when we went through 40 days of purpose, which we did here. And we asked every group at that time to come up with an outreach project in the community. And we had great success. It was thrilling. It was thrilling. But we did not sustain it. Because we did not move from it being a program to seeing it get embedded into our culture. Now we want life groups to press into this value by creating space for it to percolate up from the ground within the hearts of individuals. We can do this by building greater awareness where within your life group, give them the freedom to dream. What is God pressing on their heart? giving the space for people to talk about their passions, about serving others, and see if it catches fire within that group. It may be one act of love, one time. Or it may demand longer commitment. But you provide space and see if it gains a foothold in your group. And if it does and it begins to swell, maybe you invite other groups to partner and come alongside. Often, you know, in the sharing of these ideas, sometimes it may be in the informality around the, the time at the end where you're eating cookies and one person said, says to another, hey, you know, I, I have this idea. And you share it with one other person. That's a great idea. Let's talk to the group about it. What does God want to do? Let's not hinder what God wants to do and how he may bring it to the surface to accomplish it. You know, let, let me just give you one example of uh, uh, how this worked that I experienced because it happened in my life group. And that is, you know, one of our members, he, he drives typically up Portland, uh, up to Portland, and as he was driving right there by Miriam. Uh, Street Park is that Arches, that project, Arches Project for Homeless. And one day he got this idea that, you know, I'd like to get all those people because they were camped out. They go in during the morning for shelter. 
I would like to get donuts and coffee for all these folks out there. And he comes back to the group. Uh, he secures donation from Krispy Kremes, I believe, and it may have been Starbucks. I can't remember. But he secures donations. He sets it up. He calls Arches and he says, hey, when you open your doors and the people come in, can we do this? And he got approval. And then he shares this with the group and asks, does anybody else want to come? Whoa. Whoa. That's modeling. I benefited greatly by tagging along. A lot of my, my fears and inhibitions uh, started dissolving because this one person invited me in. Uh, we, we see this, how these kind of ministries rise up, truth seekers, and how they engage with interfaith hospitality ministry. This is a ministry where churches uh, open up their facility one week, usually about a quarter, and allow folks to come in and sleep on the floor. But these are families. These are, are families with kids that are on the street. And it's very purposeful and it's very structured because they're also, during the daytime, they are either going to jobs, the kids at school. Um, but it, it, It's directed. But we have a group in our church uh, through truth truth seekers where this came to the surface and they invited several to participate in that ministry. So we want to um, uh, free these uh, life groups that this kind of attitude, this kind of uh, creativity and brainstorming for the sake of the mission to help reach the vision becomes a reality. Um, often ideas come out of commonality of members in a life group. Perhaps you have a mother raising a child alone in your group and you hear her story and her struggle and as that uh, grows on you, you become convicted and uh, passionate about other single moms in the community. We are dependent upon God working in the hearts of individuals. Do not evaluate life groups based on what's happening today. No. Let's base it where we want to go. Because Getting this expectation embedded in a culture is a challenge. It's far easier to do a program. To get it embedded in a culture, it takes quite a bit of time. One way would be just once a quarter, whether it's in your ABF or life group, discussing this value living our life on mission. What is God calling us to? Has God awakened you to any population, any way that maybe we as a group, uh, whether it's collectively every, every person in the group or like my example, there was just three of us that went on that mission. But creating the um, uh, platform where it can rise up and people can respond
Well, this morning, out of conviction for um, Luke 15, 7, I um, really focus really on this outward. Because really, we are called to serve in two directions. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we are to live our life on mission. We are to be servants. We are ministers. The word is deaconos. It says that all followers of Jesus Christ are ministers called to serve. We serve outward like I've been expressing. And I put my emphasis there both because of Luke, but also where we are as a church and coming through transition as we evaluate where we have been and where we are today, we recognize this is a weakness of us. That we need to, um, God, how can we become better living on mission out there? But once again, it's not to devalue the 99. And God is clear in Scripture, you're also called to serve within the body of Christ because it is of great value. He calls the body of Christ his bride and it's of such value. And so he, he says that I'm going to equip each one of you with spiritual gifts and abilities and personalities to serve the body of Christ for the building of it up, that it would be mature. And so we need folks to not only overcome the challenges of ministry out there, but we need to be aware of ministry in the church. And so one of our values here is every member a minister. We could say every attendee a minister. Our job as leaders is to create the space, the opportunity for you to exercise and, and fulfill that. And so we work hard creating opportunities, whether it's a one-time thing, whether it's a, a, a regular engagement, uh, whether it's in children's ministry, youth, or worship, whether it's uh, ushering, um, handing out bulletins. If you don't have a job, you come to me, and I will just say, what can we, what opportunity can we create that will work for you? See, God values us. This is an obligation and duty. This is a, an expression of his incredible affection that uh, th this mission and his passion, he has entrusted it to you and I. So may we receive it. Join me in prayer. Father, God, You've given us building blocks whereby we can grow. And um, God, um, not just grow for our own benefit, that we would be more, more mature, that life may go better for us, but that we would embrace this uh, sense of mission, this sense of purpose that is far greater than living out our 90 years of life and calling it quits. Uh, you give us uh, uh, this spot in time for something far greater. And God, we just want uh, to be faithful to that, Lord. To be faithful to that. So thank you for your generosity, Lord. Um, don't give up on us. 
your affections for us are so great that you were willing to invite us into this vision by giving us a mission. In Christ's name we give thanks. Amen.